Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling today? I hope you're doing well. We've got uh, quite a bit to cover this morning. Um, kind of have two messages that I'm going to kind of cram into one. Is that okay? Yes. And uh, <laughs> we're going to try to complete this series that we started a few weeks back. It's hard to believe that we're five weeks into uh, uh, preaching this series on lessons from an Iron Man. And uh, what I want to do this morning is kind of recap a little bit of uh, where we've been and then launch forward and actually circle back to last week briefly and then kind of uh, have the idea from this day forward. And so we've got, uh, we're going to have to put on our uh, seatbelts and try to hang on, all right? But let, I want to just uh, pray and ask the Lord to, to be with us this morning. Um, God, I just ask that uh, you would do a great work here. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, capture our hearts, Lord, that you would um, really challenge us. Lord, thank you for the worship that we were able to experience. Uh, but Lord, I know that there's power in your word and that it transforms lives. Uh, your word says the foolishness of preaching uh, uh, makes a difference. And God, I just pray that you would use me uh, a fool. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be glorified with everything that is said and everything that is done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. After sabbatical, I came back and wanted to share an experience uh, about an Ironman that I was able to participate in over the summer, a half Ironman for me. And uh, we looked at uh, several different things over the last several weeks. And I want to hit those just real quick. We talked about fear and how fear is not of God. How many believe that? Fear is not of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that um, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline or of a sound mind. And a sound mind comes when we are addressing our fears, not running from them, but we face those. The second week in this message series, we talked about having a plan and how important it is. And Paul understood this. He said he doesn't run aimlessly. He doesn't uh, punch the air. Uh, at beat, he doesn't beat the air. Uh, instead, he lives on purpose in his life. And we're going to come back today uh, to a bit of that. Uh, but that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The third week, we mentioned emotions, and uh, we talked about head games, how in a race like the Ironman, uh, there are certainly, uh, it, it plays a, uh, it messes with your mind the longer you go, the longer a race, um, it's more about a mental challenge than it is a physical challenge. Our bodies can do uh, great things and, and can go the distance, uh, but it, a lot of times it's our mind that quits before our body does. And so we talked about that, and we said in that week uh, when we talked about emotions, that emotional maturity and spiritual maturity go hand in hand. And so you cannot be spiritually mature unless there's a level of emotional maturity. And I'll tell you, that it challenges me because there are times I lose my temper. There are times I will uh, say something I, I regret. There's times where I mess up in this area and I'm thinking, okay, I think I'm spiritually mature sometimes. And uh, they go hand in hand. And so Lord help us in that. We said that with that, we need to take every thought captive. We need to submit to the Lord, number one, and then resist the devil and then ultimately, we need to renew our mind because it's a lot of times it's a mind game and uh, we got to uh, bring control to our emotions and that's really important. 
Last week was a unique week. We talked about pain. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, we had an outside guest, Kevin DeVries, and uh, he shared his story. Uh, man, what, what an interesting guy. Uh, the, his message last week was extremely inspiring, but it left a lot of us kind of saying, okay, what now? We talked about pain. We talked about this idea that we experience pain. He shared his story of pain. And uh, I know I appreciated his vulnerability in that moment and uh, kind of sharing some of the things that he's had to struggle with and, and, uh, and deal with. Um, but it left us kind of saying, okay, what's next with this pain idea? He mentioned that you find your purpose when you embrace your pain, that out of your pain, you can find purpose. And boy, I really believe that. But I want to come back to that idea uh, to start. But when it comes to an Iron Man, and I want to kind of bring this tie in, and then I'll come back and look at the word. But um, there is something about pain that you've got to just continue to press through. And I don't know if any of you have watched any Iron Man on TV, but if you haven't, it can be painful. And we've put together a little clip and just the music is actually we're going to do it at a different time and so it doesn't necessarily fit like we're ready for the word but I want to use it now and so just be ready to kind of be excited excited here for a moment uh, let's go to an Iron Man and see some clips of pain you're gonna love this <laughs> all right does anyone want to sign up now <laughs> Oh my goodness, the pain is real, let me just say. And uh, in an event like that, the longer you go, it, it hurts at times. And, uh, but we want to talk about pain from our lives and really bring um, this idea that God, He can meet us in our pain. Uh, turn with me to one of the most uh, quoted scriptures in the Bible, to Psalm 23. In fact, where does your ribbon often fall? Most people probably, if you open it up, you got a Bible ribbon. Psalm 23, that's where mine is. Didn't even need to mark it any other way. Uh, Psalm 23 gives us some insight into this idea of pain, okay? And uh, let's look at this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I want you to know that, notice that in this verse, there's a phrase there, shadow of death. Some versions say the darkest valley. The idea here you could put in there, there's pain or hurt. Even though I walk through the hurt or I walk through the sickness or maybe the literal death or, or whatever the case might be, um, we are walking through this with the Lord's help. And what's interesting is when you experience pain, when you suffer in your life, there's some learning that you must do along the way. Otherwise, you're going to repeat that cycle in your life. Kevin talked about that, moving past the pain to find your purpose. If you don't deal with the pain or if you don't address that, you don't bring it to the Lord and surrender it, you will experience it over and over. So there's some things that you've got to learn. One of those learnings is that we are not in control. 
How many believe that, right? David understood that. Look at it in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He's in control. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me for paths of righteousness. And even though I walk through the valley of death, your rod, his rod, his staff will comfort me. The Lord is in control. We are not the ones in control. And when we're in the pain, when we're suffering in some sort of way, how many know that that is a great strength saying, okay, God, you're in control here. I'm taking my hands off. That's, that's really powerful. The second thing is that we need help. We need help. We cannot do this on our own. Uh, in Psalm 130, it recognizes this. I love it. It says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Just a, a passionate cry out to the Lord. How many have been there at one time or another where you've just had to just, just wail to the Lord saying, God, I need you in this moment. Suffering, if we can realize that, we can cry out to him. We need God's help. Number three is that suffering oftentimes reveals imperfections in our life that need to change. And this can be tough. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, when we're experiencing pain, how many know uh, the, the imperfections in our lives kind of come to the top? Maybe a bad attitude, or maybe our motives are impure, or maybe it's an anger issue, or just flat-out sinful behavior, and we need repentance. Uh, we know that, that these things are revealed when the pressure is on. Unforgiveness uh, kind of comes to the top and you say, man, is there a purpose in our suffering? And yes, there is. Romans chapter 5, turn with me there. Uh, we're hitting a few verses here uh, that we talked about this last week just briefly. It says, also, we should be rejoicing in our suffering. And I hate that, that section of verse because you say, man, I hate when I'm suffering. I do, the last thing I want to do is rejoice. But Paul says, hey, re, we're going to rejoice in our suffering. And because, the reason why, is because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. Ultimately, hope is what we're looking for. There is hope on the other side of pain. One, of the, one lady came into my office this week and uh, uh, she uh, gave me permission to share. Uh, she was struggling with this idea that... Uh, from last week's message that there's this pain and she's saying, man, it's not fair. She actually walked away uh, feeling mad and I kind of encouraged her. I said, look, there's something in the pain for you to embrace in knowing that there is hope on the other side is what encourages us to push right through. And that's what we're encouraging her to do. Because if we persevere, we will grow. We're going to grow in humility. We're going to grow in gratefulness. But ultimately, there's hope. And life on the other side of pain is hope. Consider Paul for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, or it's chapter 12, I'm sorry. Uh, it's interesting that Paul, even Paul, had a, a great amount of pain. He had a great amount of 
uh, anguish. He struggled in his walk. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, talks about a thorn in his side. We don't know what that was. Was it a physical ailment? Was it something spiritual of nature, uh, an addiction of some sort? We don't know, but it certainly was some sort of pain and suffering. And the ultimate, he gave that to the Lord and it provided hope. Let's look at it uh, in uh, Romans chapter 12. Or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I love this. Um, verse 7, we'll start there. It says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. How many know there was some sort of pain, some sort of situation that, that was uh, difficult for Paul? Three times he pleaded with the Lord, Take this away from me. But God said, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That, it, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. You could put in there, that's why I delight in suffering or in pain, Right? For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you're strong through the power of Jesus. And that's what we want to bring you to this point, saying it's Jesus that will help us through. And when we get stuck, when we feel like we're spinning our wheels, when we're not, we don't feel like we're taking any ground, we may, we may be doing the right thing and just we feel like we're not getting anywhere, we need to keep on moving. We need to keep on pushing forward. There's a great verse in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, that says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. In other words, when you're in the fight, when you're facing the pain in your life, you don't give up there. For at the proper time, it says, We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we don't give up, there will be victory on the other side of pain. You know, I've been there uh, when I'm in this Ironman that we were doing this summer. Um, the, the course was much hillier than I expected. And I shared that a couple weeks ago, that the hills and then the wind and then the cold on the bike. The biking was my strongest event, I thought. And man, it just really, really threw me for a loop and uh, caught me off guard. It reminded me of a couple years ago when I was riding across Iowa on a, a seven-day journey over 800 miles. Um, there were hills in Iowa that I had no idea. I signed up for this just pleasure ride across, and I'm telling you, there were some hills that were so steep that people had to get off their bikes could not ride up these hills. And then you'd kind of get to the top and you think, oh, thank God I'm there, right? And there's another one. <laughs> and you're like, are you kidding me? And it was painful. And you put your bike in the smallest gear and your wheels are, or your pedals are going like this, and you feel like you're going nowhere. And you know what? Sometimes life is like that, isn't it? I know it is for me. You may be doing the right thing and you just keep on spinning and spinning and spinning. And what happens is sometimes you've got to realize that you just need to keep on moving forward because what happens at the top of the hill? You know when you make it to the top, there's a big breath of relief and then you get the joy of 
racing down the other side of that. And if that hill was steep, if that pain, that suffering was steep, how many know that the joy of getting to the other side is going to be great? Maybe dangerous. <laughs> and you just fly. And on Ragbri, over 50 miles an hour, the fastest I've ever been on a bike, and just an incredible exhilaration. And you don't get that unless you climb, unless you make it through to the top. And that's what God wants for us. You know, I was reminded of a time uh, when I was 17 years old. Some buddies and I, we were, um, gonna, we were going up north. I lived in Detroit, and we were headed to Traverse City. And I had a two-wheel drive truck. We threw all of our gear, all of our mountain bikes. We were doing a mountain bike trip up in the in Traverse City area and staying with a friend. And we, on our way, we kept on seeing these two tracks everywhere we would go. And we were, the whole way, you know how 17-year-olds are, you know, we're all like all big talk, like, oh, wouldn't that be awesome? You know, let's, let's get off-road. And I didn't have an ORV sticker. I had a two-wheel drive truck and uh, with, a, with an engine from a Mustang. So it was way too powerful for that. Uh, it was not meant to be off-road, let me just say. But we decided to get off-road in, in the sand dunes up in Traverse City area. And we're bouncing around for maybe 20 minutes or so. We come down to this hill, and I'm like, oh, I put on the brakes, and I slow down too much. I gun it, and you know what happened. My tires just are like, whoo, zing, you know? I'm like, oh. I try to reverse it. Nothing. We are stuck the sand right down to the axle within, like, seconds. I'm like, what in the world? And we are like, what are we going to do? We tried to push. We couldn't do it. And you know what we had to do? We had to empty out the truck to lighten it a little bit. And we had to get underneath there and dig ourselves out. And it took about two hours to do it. We were supposed to be somewhere in 30 minutes. We totally blew it. And uh, we had to dig ourselves. And you know what? Sometimes in life, you've got to just dig yourself out you got to get under the truck and get that sand removed so you can get going again. And you know what? It's not fun. It's painful sometimes. But it's step by step. It's moment by moment, baby steps. And then there's the reward. If you do the right thing over and over, eventually you're going to get the result that you want. So it's important. With suffering, with pain, you need to... Make sure you don't let the temporary become permanent. This is something I've learned along the way. Uh, You don't stop, especially at night, because the dawn is coming. You don't give up. It's the Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The idea there is that you're walking through. You don't set up camp. I use that verse a lot of times at a, at a funeral. We don't stay at that place where, where someone has passed. We have to move on, but we're walking through. We need to grieve. We need to understand that. But you don't let that temporary place become permanent. And another learning is you don't become what you're going through. And let me try to explain this for a moment. Your identity is not wrapped up in with what you're facing. If you're facing an addiction or you're facing a feeling of failure, or you're feeling like you're less than, or whatever the case might be, that does not define you in your life. Your identity comes from Christ, from what God's Word says. In, in regards to what God's Word says, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says to throw off everything that would hinder us from getting to the goal, right? Let's look at it. It says, we... Um, 
let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We are called to run. We're called to keep on going. And then this is the key. And I've already mentioned it. We're going to hit it again. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who has for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down on the right hand of the Father at the throne of God. Listen, we've got to focus on the Lord. And when we have our mind set on the right thing, we can do anything. You can push through and you can make it. Never, ever give up. One other quick thought on pain. A friend of mine who used to do a lot of racing, we used to do racing together. He's a pastor in Columbus. This summer I visited him on my sabbatical. I told him what we're going to be doing after the fact, um, using, the sabbat- or using this Iron Man idea to, to create a message series. His name is Conan Stevens. And one of the things when we were talking, I, I wrote down that he said, is that we must learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Now, this is interesting. And I th- when he said that, and then he kind of ex- uh, expanded on it, the idea is that we, there, there, it's okay being uncomfortable for a time to get to the place of victory. So with addictions, how many know that there is a, a time of withdrawal with, uh, with pain that is released when you are addressing your addiction? How about this? With, if you've got a goal to be physically fit, for example, how many know health comes with a price, right? It's discipline and exercise and what you eat. How many know that is not easy? It is hard. It is not easy to do that. Or how about with marriage? When you think about marriage, you'd say, okay, how, you've got to embrace the uncomfortable. Um, that's important. You say, well, what are you talking about? There are times in a marriage situation that you have to have hard conversations. You have got to tell the truth, the whole truth. How about dealing with unforgiveness? You've got to let it go. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable, but just imagine what is on the other side. Let's talk about our budgets. If you're working on, our, working on your budget, you're in debt up to your eyeballs, and you have worked and worked and worked, and you've scraped and scrimped, and you've sacrificed, and you've kicked debt out of your house, what do you receive? You receive freedom, right? You receive peace, and it's worth it on the other side. You've got to be uncomfortable for a season. Conan says, learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And the point is, ultimately, you never, ever give up because God is with you. My Ironman coach that helped me, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, I asked him um, when we met, I said, hey, at what point would you ever quit? What uh, would you ever throw in the towel? And he says, you never quit. You do not give up unless they're taking you out on a stretcher. And, uh, and I appreciated that. That gave me a perspective like, okay, I'm going to finish this thing, this Ironman. And the, with the Lord's help, God was able to help. And so, uh, so I hope that's helpful to kind of relook at pain, to bring some scripture. And uh, listen, whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, the pain, the struggle, um, there's, there is, I believe, purpose. You can find purpose in that. And uh, you don't want to just bury your head in the sand. You want to address it. You want to keep moving forward. You never, ever give up because on the other side of that pain, 
That's where your purpose is. That's where the rewards are, the, the victory. And how many know we can get there? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's my first message. <laughs> and uh, I want to kind of transition now, and it may seem a little awkward, but I want to finish with this idea from this day forward, okay? From this day forward, now what? And we'll get there. But we want to wrap up with this idea. For me, the Ironman, uh, my coach said you never give up. And eventually, after six hours and 36 minutes of constant exercise, um, I was able to hit the finish line. Um, I finally made it. And what's interesting is when you hit the finish line, the, all the work, all the sacrifice, the hours of pain, it all becomes worth it. The pain will dissipate at that point. It's kind of like this. I'm not a, a, a woman. I've never had a child personally, but I witnessed my wife. She was in an incredible amount of pain giving birth to both of my kids. And if you know, if you've been in a situation like that, but what happens after that baby pops out? That pain turns to what? Joy. That's right. And the same thing happens at the finish line of an Ironman. It's like joy and relief. And there are people signing up for the next race. They're smart. They know what they're doing. They get, they get you engaged for the next one. And it's kind of like Galatians 6, 9. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I'm telling you, it is something special when you cross the line and you finish a leg, uh, or an Ironman, or related to our lives, when you finish a season, and you can celebrate, there's something to it. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I could take you guys to the moment when I finish my Ironman? How many would like that? Would you like that, maybe? Okay, a few of you? Well, for the few that would like to look, here I am, finishing the Ironman just a couple months ago. Here we go. He's mentioned that I turned 40, and he said, welcome to the 40-year-old club, the old man's club. <laughs> I love that. Listen, at that moment, look at that smile on my face. I'm telling you, there was something about that that was exciting. And I'm at the finish line, and I'm there. But what's interesting, what you've got to know, is I didn't stay at this point. I didn't stay in those clothes for all the rest of that day, because I was stinky, right? And if I would have stayed in that location right at the finish line, they started tearing stuff down a few hours later, and I would have been there all alone, and the, re the reality is that there is life beyond the finish line, beyond the Ironman in this case. And so I want to just challenge you with this idea, now what? You finished school, you finished your high school or your college or your, or your uh, graduate or your doctorate degree, now what? You've raised your kids and you've sent them off and you are now an empty nester, now what? You become debt-free after maybe a struggle to get there. Now what? Say it with me. You become, you're retired. You walk the line after 40 years of working. Now what? Or you get married and you say, now what? <laughs> or maybe you get remarried and you're saying, now what? Or you get sober, you get cleaned up. And the question is, now what? 
Uh, maybe on a more uh, negative side, you lose a spouse or a loved one. You, that someone crossed the finish line uh, of this side of eternity, and you, you're left there. You've got to answer the question, now what? Or maybe the divorce is final, and you think your life is just ruined, and you can't see beyond that finish line. You've got to approach the question, now what? Where do you go? Where do you turn? And the first thing I would say for those things that are positive in our lives, we need to celebrate those things. We need to, we need to encourage one another at the finish line. There, there needs to be a celebration that's appropriate. If it's a grief of a loss, you need to do that when it's appropriate. And remember that there's a journey that we are on. And it's not that we just all of a sudden arrive, but we need to celebrate the progress. We need to enjoy those moments. You deserve it if it was something positive. And you need to grieve if it's something painful, that things won't be the same. And it takes time, and we understand that. You need to work through those things. But you never would say, I'm just going to stay in this place. You, there's something beyond that. You don't stay at the finish line. You tracking with me? And so from this day forward, you finish school, now you're going to get to work, or you're going to write a book, or you're going to apply for a job. Now uh, you say, okay, from this day forward, I'm debt-free, I'm never going back, right? I'm never, I'm going to give now, I'm going to invest now, from this day forward. Or I get married, from this day forward, I'm going to be committed to date my wife or my spouse, or I'm going to be emotionally available. I'm going to serve my spouse where I can. You say, well, from this day forward, I've retired now, but I'm going to give back. I'm going to be a coach for somebody. Or maybe I'm a more negative approach. I, I, look, I've, I, from this day forward, my divorce is final. I'm going to address my shortcomings, and I'm going to commit to living in community. I am not going to walk this journey alone. The last thing you want to do is be the guy from a positive standpoint who's in his 30s, 40s, 50s, always living the glory days from high school. You don't want to be Uncle Rico or Ted Bundy. I mean, Al Bundy. Uh, you don't want to be this guy later on. You know what I'm saying? These guys, they don't know how to get past what is reality. They've never moved on from the finish line for a season of their lives. And certainly, I understand this, this certainly can be a temptation, can't it? You want to stay there, it feels good, but how many know there's more for us? Peter understood this when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, John, James, and John, and Jesus, and uh, Elijah shows up, Moses shows up, the whole mountain is glowing, and uh, the, the Spirit of God had to have been there, the presence of God, and Peter like I probably would have said, in, in all three accounts, Mark 9, Matthew 17, and Luke 9, um, all three accounts, Peter says, says, hey, Jesus, let's put up a tent and let's stay here. And I get that. Wouldn't you want to? You, you never, have you ever had that where you don't want to leave a service where the presence of God is so thick? And Peter was saying that there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, but what was Jesus, his approach? He brought them down from the mountain. They didn't stay there in that moment. Yes, it was an incredible moment, but they had work to do. Jesus had a lot of things to fulfill. Peter had a huge job to do to get on 
his way. And the temptation is to stay where you are instead of moving forward. Now, this morning, when we think about moving forward, I want to encourage us that when we finish a season of our lives, we need to oftentimes dream again. We need to keep moving. We need to look look for the next idea, the next breakthrough, and we don't stay at the finish line. This week in my devotions, and uh, I've been reading through Romans as part of my devotions, just kind of taking it slow. Um, There was something that jumped out. I wasn't planning on sharing this. In fact, it didn't even make, make the notes. Um, But I want to share this. Uh, Turn with me to Romans chapter 13, or write it down. Romans 13, we'll start in verse 11. There's a couple verses here that, I don't know, to me at least made, uh, made some sense in regards to what we're talking about. It says this, And do this, understanding the present time. How many know that we've got to understand where we are before we can move forward? So we're at the finish line in this illustration. Uh, we're here. We're, we've, uh, we've celebrated. We've, we've gone. We've, uh, we've finished a season, and we need to understand that. And then it says, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. You don't stay there because our salvation is nearer now than we, when we first believed. And then verse 12, I think is a word of the Lord for somebody this morning. It says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. With, in regards to your pain, when I read that originally, um, the Lord just quickened my spirit. I was reading it again this morning when I was deciding whether to put this in my message. And I really believe that for someone here, the night is almost over. The dawn, the day is approaching. And uh, just receive that if that's for you. Uh, Praise the Lord. And then it goes on. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on Jesus, in other words. Let us not behave, or let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. And then rather, again, this is the third or fourth time I've said this, Uh, The idea, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Clothe yourself with Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the sinful desires uh, of your nature. Listen, we've got to clothe ourselves with Jesus. It's Jesus that makes the difference with our fear, with our emotions, with dealing with pain. It's the Lord that will help us. And when we commit our ways to the Lord, it's God who gives us dreams. It's God who will give us the next direction. He's the one that gives us the big picture that we can follow in our lives. And then when he does that, then it's our responsibility to create a checkpoint along the journey, to have specific targets to reach within a period of time moving us closer to the big picture. But it all originates with keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. This morning, I want to give everyone here a, a little tool that has been an incredibly blessing, a blessing to me. Uh, we modified it for this lesson, but Pete and uh, Rachel, if you could pass these out. We, got, we have one for each person here, young and old. We want to make sure everybody has one in your possession. This is something I've used uh, for years now, um, I've used it with the staff. All the staff use this. We re-up it every year. Um, we, I've used this with my, my wife and I when we're planning. I've used it with my daughter when she turned 13. And, uh, and then I, we looked at it again when she was starting high school. 
Um, we did this, I will be doing this in a couple weeks with my son, who's 13, just taking him through this. And what it is, it's a, uh, it's a goal sheet that is, uh, that is very, very helpful. It's got some rules, and we'll kind of go through that. But it's really based in, out of Scripture, the idea of creating goals. Uh, I, like, I want to just take you back to 1 Corinthians 9, 26. It's on the sheet there. It says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. Paul understood this. We sh- we've shared this before. He says, I don't beat the air uh, in, my, in my race. And what we're talking about here is life. That in the race of life, we must have a goal. If you do not have a target, it will lead to mediocrity every time at best. It will lead to failure if you don't have a target and if you're not living on purpose. If you just wander around, you will not get what is best, what God has for you. Instead, we need to embrace the second verse there, Philippians 3.14, that we press on towards the goal to win the prize. And ultimately, the prize is heaven. We understand that. But even in our day-to-day, the goal is what gets us closer to the vision that God has for our lives. You tracking with me? Does that make sense? And so we got to press towards those goals. At at some point, we're going to cross into eternity, and we pray and hope that we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant, right? We want that. But even on this side of eternity, we want to experience everything that God has for us. Now, Dave Williams, in his book called Faith Goals, great little read. I pulled some of this from here. He asked the question, why do so many people get hooked on drugs? Why do so many people get trapped by cults? Why do uh, thousands of young people in every state get in trouble with the law? Why are there so many people on welfare? And he says, in most cases, the answer is quite simple. They have no plan, no goals, no purpose in life. And you may know some people like that. And uh, if you're sitting next to them, don't look at them, all right? Uh, But the reality is that there are a lot of people that are going through life without a plan. And that is not best. They're like the the, um, the man the Beatles sang about years ago. This is Dave Williams. He says, he's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody, right? doesn't have a point of view, knows not where he's going to. You might know the song, and that's not the picture of a God-fearing believer, right? No, God has so much more for us than that. And there's a lot of people, and so he goes on. So what about you? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know God's direction in your life? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going after this life is over? Hopefully not, or hopefully you do. If not, we're going to help you that in a moment. And do you have specific goals in your life right now? The reality is, my guess is most of us in this room do not have written goals at this point. And there's something powerful. Ten years ago, I was at Church Planner School when I first was introduced to this idea, and it was a list of 50 goals that I was encouraged to make. And I'm telling you, that is a challenge. And I was able to do that. The Ironman was one of those goals, and I ha- I've done half of one. And with God's help, I will complete the rest of that goal and do a full Ironman at some point. And uh, that was a result of writing down our goals. And there are six 
areas that we encourage you to do that. I've done this myself. I've done this with my kids, with my family, with the staff, with spiritual goals, personal goals, family goals, ministry goals, professional goals, and financial goals. And I would say no matter what stage of life you're in, uh, whether you're just getting started or you're nearing the end of your race, uh, uh, you need to have some goals. And there's some fundamental goal-setting rules that will help guide you. And I'm just going to hit these real quick. First of all, a goal needs to be specific. And so you don't say, well, I just want to be healthy, right? No, you say, all right, I want to I want to, you know, lose, you know, 10 pounds or I want to eat more fruits and vegetables or I want to have a specific amount. And so it it needs to be specific. Number two, you should prayerfully set your own goals. Someone else doesn't make those goals for you. You prayerfully, you and Jesus, you figure out what is the next step. What are the goals that God is calling you to? And that's your responsibility. Number three, your goals should take you closer to fulfilling your life's dream. And so if you've got a life dream to um, be something, you don't want to be doing a bunch of things that aren't going to lead you in that direction. It needs to be uh, helping you to get closer to your life's dream. Number four, your goals should be written down. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you got to write it down. you got to write it down. And your goals need to be challenging. All right, so they need to have some strength behind them. They need to be challenging, but also realistic. Uh, it, they need to be obtainable. And then your goals should include a deadline. And the reason that's important is because you can put a, a goal out there. If you don't put a deadline, you could have 10 years go by, like it did for me with this Iron Man, before you actually got around to accomplishing it. And I'm not sure that's always best. And so you got to put a deadline, put, put a deadline there. And um, I just want to encourage you that when we talk about this, there are some of you that will hear this. And in this moment, you'll be nodding your head. You're with me saying, okay, yep, this is good. But statistically, most of you, most of us are going to walk out and not do anything with this. Now, some of you have already done bits and pieces of this. Maybe you just need to resurrect this. But for some of you, this is foreign. Dave Williams says there's four reasons why most people don't set goals. Number one, they don't know how. Well, we just kind of walked you through. And if you need help, we would be happy to help you along the way to do this. Number two, this one might hurt. He says four reasons why most people don't set goals. They are lazy. It's too much trouble to set goals. I didn't say it. It was Dave Williams. Number three, they don't have the faith that God will help them accomplish their goals. So you say, well, I might write it down, but I don't really believe it. Listen, you need faith. You need God. You need an injection of Holy Spirit. Okay, I can do this. I am not giving up. I will make it. Number four, They've set goals in the past on long-range basis, didn't see immediate results, so they became cynical. And I know some people like that, and I'll tell you, that's kind of a miserable place, miserable place to be. This morning, I want to challenge you that you can do it, that your life, no matter what you face, no matter what you're facing today, you can do it. And from this day forward, I believe that your future 
is absolutely bright. That God, he's got great plans for you. Jeremiah 29, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What? Plans for destruction? No. No. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. How many believe that this morning? I believe that to the deep, the deepest parts of my soul. And with that, I want to pray for you this morning. And then we're going to have a moment of application here. God, I just pray that in these next few moments, God, that you just capture our hearts. And God, in this very practical message, really kind of a combination of messages, I pray that the truth of your word would ring true. And God, that it would motivate us to be different from the average person living their life. Lord, I just want to declare that you have called us to be above average. You've called us to greatness. No matter who's here, God, you have called us to go above and beyond. And Lord, we know part of that is just living on purpose, having a plan. And Lord, these goals, I pray, God, that it would make a huge difference in our lives. God, we pray this for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Pardon me just for a second. One of the goals that we have here at the Gateway Church is that every Sunday that we meet, that we would extend a, an opportunity for people to receive Christ. And it's something we do probably 80 or 90% of the time where we give people the opportunity to say, all right, I don't know Jesus I'm ready to accept him, or I'm coming back to the Lord. Maybe I've walked away from my faith and coming back. And this morning, we want to do that. But I want you to know that that is a goal that is is a step to the big picture. The big picture is not just to get people saved and then out on their way. The goal is that we would live in community and that God would help us together to to grow in our faith. The big picture is that we would be fully devoted Christ followers. Amen? And so it's more than just the salvation moment, but this salvation moment, which we have right here, is really important. And I want you to know that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we want to offer that as a free gift. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We understand that. And the reality is one sin, if it goes unforgiven, will keep us from an eternity with Jesus. But there's no reason that you should walk out of these doors with your sins being unforgiven. This morning, salvation is here. I believe that. And I want to offer that. And if you're here today, you say, man, I need the Lord. I need to be saved. I want you just to raise your hand. Or maybe you've been away from the Lord and you're coming back to Him today. Who this morning, second service, would respond saying, I need Jesus to save me today. All right. Yeah. Okay. A couple young men. Who else this morning? Say, that's where I am today. I need a Savior to save me. Anyone else this morning? Just give you a second. Just I want I want this to really set and to, for you to understand what, what I'm asking. 
If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you're ready to receive, receive him, I want to pray for you. There are two young men here. Let's just uh, pray with them. Would you just encourage them? I want you to repeat this prayer. I want everybody to repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sin. The sin that separates you from me. And I confess now with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe that you died on the cross and you took my sin. And so at this moment, would you receive me? Would you clean up my heart? Would you take away my sin and make me whole? I believe in you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. That's exciting. That's part of why we exist. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Well, I'm going to ask that everyone would stand. We're going to do something here over the next few moments that for some may be a little uncomfortable, and I understand that. But what I'm going to ask is that every single person here find one other person to share with for a moment and to answer this question or answer this phrase. Setting goals is important to me, or it would be important to me, because, and then you finish the sentence. Or you could take it at this. I would value setting goals and they would make a difference in my life because of this. And I want you to do this one-on-one. And I understand that um, we, if your husband and wife certainly do that together, uh, beyond that, guys with guys, girls with girls. If you're siblings, you can do that, certainly. I want you to turn, and, and if you're with, a, with your kids, you can kind of gather up your kids and kind of have that discussion. But before you leave here, I want you to declare, what would the benefit be for you if you actually took this sheet and put it into action, if you wrote down some goals, and then after you share what the benefit would be, then I want you just to pray for the person there, and then we'll wrap up here momentarily. And so I would just turn and uh, kind of uh, turn around, and George, just slide around. We can find someone. Um, make sure we partner up, husbands and wives, certainly together. Uh, but beyond that, make sure if you guys just introduce yourselves if you don't know each other. Guys in the back. All right, we'll just give you a minute here. Then after you share, then you just want to pray. What would the benefit be if I actually set some goals in my life? Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise your name, God. Praise you, Jesus. If you're not praying, I want to encourage you to go ahead and pray. We'll give you about 30 more seconds, and then we'll head on out. Just stick tight just for a moment. Thank you, Lord. God, we just pray for our neighbor, God. We pray for our spouse. We pray for our friend. We pray for our family member. God, I pray that you would help them, God, to achieve everything that you have for them, God. Oh, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If I could have your attention just for one more moment. We're going to pray a prayer of benediction, and after that, you can be dismissed. Lord, I pray that at this moment, God, that you would just go with us, go before us, behind us, and all around us. 
And God, the seeds that were sown this morning, I pray that they would bear much fruit. And God, that it would make a difference, a huge difference in our lives. God, that we are not just going to walk through this life aimless, but Lord, we're going to live on purpose with a plan for your glory, for your honor. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week.